starting a series today, and the title of it is Lent. Everybody say Lent. I'm not talking about the stuff that comes out of your dryer, okay? I'm talking about it's a season of Lent. Let me just be really honest with you in regard to this. When Pastor James, um, who Pastor James is actually the pastor of the church, and Luke is, um, he's the campus pastor, when he mentioned it to me, I have such an incredible high respect for him that he said, hey, we do this Lent thing. And, and, and immediately I was kind of like, um, because I was raised in a very, um, I'll call it a dead traditional church. Um, and I, and, and I don't mean, I just simply mean I didn't know about Jesus at all, but they, they did this Lent thing. And, um, when he said that it caused me to reflect back, but then equally it caused me to say, well, I have such incredible respect for him. I need to drill into this and find out what about this Lent thing. How many of you are with me uh, in regard to that? And my, because my whole perspective of Lent was it was just like a liturgical, religious tradition that really, um, you know, it, it, it was connected to my upbringing, which wasn't very, it wasn't, we went through some actions, but it, it wasn't Christian. And, um, and so before, and what I realized is before it was ever that thing, it was, what's amazing to me is I, as I dug into it, I found out, do you know that the first 1,500 years of the church, they practice Lent. The first 1,500 years of the church. And if you, you study Lent, what you find out is they, there's the majority believes it, it started with a guy by the name of Polycarp. Everybody say Polycarp. If you are a, if you are a New Testament church history buff, you know who he was. He was the last disciple um, that was discipled by the apostle John before John died. And John was the youngest of the 12 and he lived to be around 99 years. And he's the only one to die of natural causes. Polycarp was a disciple of, of the apostle John. The last the, the last disciple before, um, before he, he died. If you study Polycarp, what you find out is he was martyred under, um, he was martyred under an, an emperor by the name of Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius was the one, how many of you are brave or gladiator people? Come on, gladiator spiritual. Anyway, I, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, gladiator Marcus Aurelius was the emperor that um, Maximus was underneath. Marcus Aurelius was the old guy that was there. He, he was the old guy. And so Polycarp, if you study his life, what you find out is that after the 12 apostles died, what happened is, is that the church, for the most part, the, um, the apostle Paul's letters specifically went to churches. They went to the church at Rome. They went to the church in Corinth. They went to the church at Ephesus. They went to the church at Colossae and Philippi. And, and then you have the, the pastoral first and second Timothy and Titus. And what you find out is that Paul sent these letters out and they would stand up in church on a Sunday morning and it would give them doctrinal direction. Well, Polycarp was one of the first ones that actually brought all of those letters together to disciple and to raise up the church. But at the same 
same time to combat what was it was a heresy called Gnosticism is he was one of the, he was the one that literally stood up for the gospel. Polycarp, what's amazing to me is the guy was a baller. The guy, you say, what does that mean? He was, the guy was it. Okay, the guy was it. But if you study what you find out is he is the one that was credited with starting Lent. The first 1,500 years of Christianity, Christians celebrated Lent and they fasted every Wednesday and every Sunday for the first 1,500 years. That's, you know, I look at that, I'm like, what am I? How many of you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, I, I look at it. And as I personally reflected on Lent and my thinking of it, I was immediately challenged with, okay, I've not had an accurate understanding of this. And I'm just, let me just kind of go down where the, the rubber meets the road. I was raised in a, in a church that, that um, didn't preach Christ. It was, a, it was just a, an exercise that you went through. And they celebrated communion, but I never understood the meaning of communion until I came into a relationship with God and read the Bible. And I never threw communion out, or let me just even throw this out to you, Christmas. Christmas. Christmas is not is what it's not what it was originally intended. The secular progressives have tried to take it over, but guess what? I'm not giving up Christmas. Easter. Easter is not about a little rabbit. It's about the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm not giving up on Easter. Are you with me? Thanksgiving in this country. Thanksgiving, we weren't the first country. They celebrated Thanksgiving in Europe, but in this country when Thanksgiving was started, it was started as a tradition to give thanks to God for making it through a year that they didn't know they were going to make it through. And so to me, Thanksgiving is not about a turkey. It is about the Thanksgiving to God for the year that he's brought us through. Are you with me? And so when we, when we talk about these things is I don't celebrate those, those days because somebody else cheapened them. I redeem them but because I realize that what it is. See, Lent, what it is, is it's 40 days prior to Easter starting with what is called Ash Wednesday. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And Lent is representative of the 40 days from the New Testament perspective that Jesus was in the wilderness prior to starting his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 4. It was, it was the 40 days. And what we see is, if you study that, is just kind of four quick takeaways, is number one, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. In that, in that time. Number two is it says that he fasted. Everybody say fasted. Fasted, he fasted. And then what you see is he overcame Satan and temptation in the wilderness and he stepped into a new season and a new beginning that God had for him. He had never sinned, but he went 
through this season and stepped in. See, Lent is about, I believe, that God has more to life for me. He has more for my community than what I'm experiencing. He has more for my family than what they're walking in. What Lent is all about is it is saying, God, I'm going to make room for you in my life because I know that the resurrection is coming and the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out and I'm going to make room for you within my life. Are you with me? Are you with me? See, everything down here when you, you know, even the ash. I remember me and my wife, when we lived in California, we were walking along the beach and this dude was blasted out of his mind. And he, I mean, he could hardly, he was blasted. And he had this big smudge of ash on his forehead. And she was like, what is that? So I asked him, and he's blasting. He said, it's Ash Wednesday. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm not sure what that's all about. But do you know that, at, that Ash Wednesday, the reason that ash was put on the forehead was it was an outward sign and a recognition of that our bodies are mortal, that they will all pass away. That's what it was. It was saying, I recognize that my body is mortal. See, everything down here is temporal. And in this Lent season, what it is, is it saying, you know what? Everything is temporal and the world around me is trying to get me convinced that life is only about what I see. But in this season, I am going to reflect that I am a spirit that will live eternally, that I have a soul, which is my mind, the way I think, my will, the way I choose, and my emotions, the way that I feel, and a body. And I choose in this season to draw near to God for his eternal plan for my life, for my family, for my community, and for my world. Are you with me today? You know, when you think about it, as I got a, a glass of water, and this is indicative of our lives, is all of us are pretty full, are we not? Okay, I'm going to try it again. All of us are pretty full. We're pretty full. And we say, God, I want more of you. God, I need more of you in my life. But what God does is he says, you got no more room. I need you to empty out a little bit. I need you to make some space. Did you think I was going to get you there, Tank? <laughs> I only did because Tank and I are buddies. How many of you are with me on that? Let me tell you something. God has more for us. God has more. But we have to be willing to say, Lord, to get your more, I'm willing to empty out. I'm willing to allow you to, to empty out of my life. If you study Lent, what you find out is it was always marked by fasting. And when you talk about the topic of fasting, it, there's a few things I think that we really need to know. And number one is this, is that Old and New Testament fasting are very different. They're very, very different. 
You know, if you're here and you want to study fasting, I could recommend a couple of great books, one by the name of Jetson Franklin um, on fasting, another by the name of Stovall Weems. It's called Awakening, and it's all about fasting. But if you want to, but in the Old Testament, fasting had to do with mourning or getting God to intervene during a crisis in a situation. You see this in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, where they said, maybe God will have mercy upon us. You see it in Jonah 3, 5, where it said that the people fasting, hoping that God would change his mind and not destroy Nineveh. Old Testament fasting was connected to crisis, mourning, and an impending judgment. But New Testament fasting, it's really important that we know this and we recognize it, that it is no longer used to obtain the favor or the forgiveness of God in our life. After we receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, our past, present, and sin, and future sins have been forgiven. The Bible tells us, I am the favored of God. New Testament fasting is about celebrating and allowing the Holy Spirit inside of us to expand us to a greater degree, believing that he has more for our life our community, and our family. That's what New Testament fasting is. And let me, let me just explain. We don't need to mourn for Jesus because through the Holy Spirit, he's always with us. He, he's, he's always with us. And so the right fasting or the right focus in fasting is really important. One, it's not a Christian diet. Number two is it's not to force God into doing our bidding. It's not to say, God, I did this, so you need to do this. Some people I know fast fast from strictly a legalistic um, mindset, and it's focused on abstaining. It's, it's a very hard thing. It's a very, it, it's a very stiff thing. But what I want you to do is I want you to find you know, what I'm going to call your fasting zone. Where, and when you're in your fasting zone, you experience minimum physical emptiness with maximum spiritual fullness in your life where you're able to stop and it's not focused on what I do without. You know, when you look at Jesus and when he was teaching about our relationship with God in Matthew 6 and giving specifics, you remember he, he, he taught on the Lord's Prayer. He said, when you pray, pray like this. If you notice, he said in, that, in Matthew 6, he said, when you pray, Pray like our Father who art in heaven, how it be. And he gave an outline. The next thing he said is he said, when you fast. I think it's interesting he didn't say if you fast. He said, when you fast. In other words, it was part of the New Testament culture and the way that they function. He said, when you fast give after he taught on fasting. And so Jesus was teaching on foundational things that we have to understand. And, and, you know, when you think about even the Apostle Paul, and I'm just going to throw a few scriptures out, he talked about himself fasting in Acts 13, in Acts 14. He talked about the church fasting in 1 Corinthians and people in 1 Corinthians 7, in 2 Corinthians 6, and in 2 Corinthians 11. And the reason that we fast is because I am a spirit, I have a soul and I live in a body. And when I fast, what I'm actually saying is I'm saying, I believe there's more than what I see naturally. 
I believe there's more than what I'm experiencing naturally. And so what, it's as though I'm saying, God, I'm gonna seek you. I'm gonna make room in, your, in my life to hear you clearer, whether it be for others, whether it be for my, my life. I almost said my wife. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she hears from me. Anyway. <laughs> you, and when you, when you think about it, is in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through verse 17, Jesus is questioned about fasting. It says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken for them, then they will fast. Quick question. Has Jesus been taken from us? He's left the earth. Look at what it says now. Verse 16, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men or women pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are, are preserved. We, we must repeatedly receive a new wineskin in our life for God's work to continue to expand in our life. And Jesus compared fasting to that. Fasting gives us a new wineskin. It gives us a softened heart, a softened spirit, a more receptive heart to God. And I want to I want to just uh, spend a moment. You know what? When you think about this is fasting will bring a freshness and a newness to your soul that will prepare you for something incredible. And I believe it is a new and, and an expanding thing that God has planned, not only for us, but our community. And it, you know, you're here and maybe I want to talk to you for a moment about fasting and, and people that have never fasted because in the New Testament and the Old Testament, there are different types of fasting. You know, a lot of us, when we think of fasting, we just think, okay, don't eat anything. That is one type where you don't eat and you just drink. But there's three types and different lengths of fasting. The Yom Kippur fast was from sun, it was from sun um, up to sundown. That's what it was. It was like a 12-hour type thing. Esther fasted for three days. Paul, we see in the New Testament that he listed two different fasts. One was for three days. Another was for 14. Peter fasted for three days. Daniel fasted for 10 days at one time and 21 days another time. Moses fasted for 40 days and Jesus fasted for 40 days. And so the three types of fasting are this. Number one is comfort-based where you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit in your life. And as you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, comfort-based, this could include TV, where you're just like, you know, the Holy Spirit just starts blowing. It's like, turn that baby off. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you know sometimes he don't need to blow, we just got to do it. <laughs> it's, you know, it could be, it could include TV. It could include social media. Maybe it could include sugar or coffee or caffeine or something like that. It's personal in nature that the Holy Spirit impresses upon your heart. 
It's eliminating something from your diet or your lifestyle for a spiritual reason of seeking the Lord in your life. Where you stop and you say, okay, the Yom Kippur fast was liquids only. It was liquids only. And we see this in the Bible. The Daniel fast is what we cut what's called a partial fast. You know, you say, what's a partial fast? Well, a partial fast is from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's not a partial fast, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Somebody said to me, I'm so spiritual, I completed my seven-day fast in three hours. <laughs> no, no. It's, it, 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 what, it's a partial fast. It is, you know, it, it maybe, you know, no sweets, as I said earlier. Maybe no meat, could be no bread, I don't know, but it's between no bread, could be vegetable fruits and nuts and water. My wife would be like, I love this. I'm like, I need meat. How many of you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? But when you, when you look at it, is when you, and when you see in the New Testament it talks about fasting, is we don't run around and tell people for the purpose of being seen by others. We don't run around with this, oh, I'm fasting, oh, I'm, no, if, if someone asks you, you don't lie, but you're not doing, your, your purpose is, is Lord, I believe you stirred me in an area and I'm going to abstain because I need you. I'm going to push in. I'm going to deny my flesh. I'm going to crucify my flesh because I believe that you are the giver of life. Lent and following the Lord in our personal walk is an incredibly powerful time. What does a New Testament fast look, for, look like for you today, sitting here? I want to, I believe that God is calling every one of us in this Lent season to ask him, allow him to lead us into a time of fasting with preparation for Easter. Because God has something powerful. God has something good. Maybe you're here and you say, I've just been in a gook. I want to encourage you to just stop and say, Lord, what is it you're breathing on me? It's not for me to tell you this is where you need to fast, but it's for you, like with Jesus, the Holy Spirit led him into his fast. And I pray that as you step forward, God is going to fuel you. God is going to breathe on you. God is going to strengthen you. When we talk about fasting, yes, it is about us. It is about our family, but it is also about our community. We're coming into Easter, and Easter is like the Super Bowl. How many of you watched the Super Bowl last week? How many of you? Okay, look, more of you watched. Look, I'm just going to tell you straight up, Jesus watched the Super Bowl last week. <laughs> Did the right team win? We got nobody said yes. Real, <laughs> realize this. <laughs> Easter is coming. And from a spiritual perspective, it is like the Super Bowl. And I believe God is saying to each and every one of us, do you want to be on the field? Do you want to catch the winning touchdown on the field? 
Every one of us would say yes to the natural world. But God is saying, this is my Super Bowl. If there's ever a time our community needs God, it's now. If there's ever a time our political system needs an encounter with God, it's now. If there's ever a time students need to realize that there is a resurrected God, that there is somebody that has a plan for their life, that they are not just some derivative of an amoeba that climbed up on a beach and mutated into an animal. They are a self-lubricating piece of machinery that was created for a relationship with God. And God wants to know as we come into Lent, the first 1,500 years of Christianity, when the Christians would come together and they would say, Lord, what are you breathing on in my life? Because I want more. I not only want more for me, but Lord, my community, my family, my relatives, my neighbors need you. And Lord, I am gonna put myself in a spot that leans in and reaches out. See, Lent is to seek God on our own personal life, but then eat for freedom and maybe clarity, but also to seek God on the behalf of others, the lost, those that don't know Jesus, don't believing that this Easter will be unlike any other Easter in their lives. Those that live far away from God will come back to God. Those that have never seen him will come into a relationship with him. And our desire as a church, every one of us, is that every person that names the name of Victory Life Church says, Lord, what do you want me to do to partner with you in my spiritual walk, but also in opening up a door for your spirit to pour out over my community? How many of you believe we could do that? We'll try it again. How many of you believe we could do that? Lift up a hand to heaven. Just lift up one hand to heaven. God, as we come into this Lent season, starting this Wednesday, Lord, we realize that, Lord, you placed us here for such a time as this. And, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to stir us, to lead us, and to guide us. Because what we know is you are the only one that gives a lasting, eternal purpose to life. You're the one that can fix the wounds and the brokenness that nobody else can fix. And Lord, we invite you to lead us and to guide us. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. You know, this coming Wednesday is the kickoff of Ash Wednesday. We're having a special worship night. How many of you are ready to worship God? Oh my gosh. It's going to rock. It's going to rock. You say, I can't sing. I can't either. But this is what I notice. When God gets on me, I just sound good. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm kidding. It's the same, but he thinks I sound good. This Wednesday, we're having a special worship night to kick off. I want to encourage you. Mark your calendar. Prioritize it. Don't look for room, 
make room and say, God, I am going to make room for you in my life. I'm going to make room. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. I want everyone to look at me. You're here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and come into a relationship with God. The purpose of Jesus is God loves you. Sin separated you from him and he sent his only son to pay for every mistake that you have ever made hoping that you would respond to him. You're here today and you say, I've never accepted Christ. I've never asked him to come in and to be the Lord of my life. I want to be really clear. God is not telling you to get rid of anything. God is not telling you to fix this or to fix that. What he's saying to you is come just as you are and go all in with me and I'll take care of all of the rest. You're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed. And you say, that's me. That's me. I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to pray with you right where you're at. That's you. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're saying, Lord, I come out of the comfortable and I say yes to you. We're all going to pray together after that, but that's you. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. That you gave your life to pay for my sins. I give you my heart and the rest of my life. Come into my life. Lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.